Well, thank you, Tom. What a pleasure it is to speak again. And Tom, I'll tell you, he's been calling me all week. He is excited about today's sermon. I'll tell you, he couldn't wait to know. He was excited about the verse in Luke 24 and about Jesus coming back and standing among the disciples. He got really, really passionate about it. So I think the wrong guy has given the sermon, and I should have led songs, right, Tom? No, he's the greatest on that. I just got back from a retreat that uh, took me up to Trails End Ranch in Ekalaka or whatever it is in Montana. Oh, my goodness, that's a nice camp. You could do so many different things. It, it was cool, you know. And I remember pulling up, and I had uh, Chris uh, Doyle sitting beside me, and Chris said, oh, you see that zip line, Bob? You're going to love it. I'm not going on that thing, I said. Oh, you'll go on it. I never did, because I'm a, I, I am the biggest scaredy chicken of heights in the world. So they had climbing walls, and they had a giant swing, and I didn't do any of that. I did ride a horse, though. It cost me a quarter. But... The, <laughs> That's about all I did, and I, I also sought a bow and arrow, and they seemed pretty safe, you know, it was all right. And, you know, I got done with my messages, and on that last night, I, I spoke, and they got up right afterwards and said, let's, let's pray for Bob as he's going to be traveling home and speaking to our church, and, and then they, they said a prayer, and they said, who wants to give Bob a hug? And all the kids... I mean, they swat me. They almost knocked me over. And they just loved on me and said, you're the best speaker we've ever... No, they didn't say that, but I... <laughs> but, but they came forward. Now, I'm kind of like that, you know, that they were so enthusiastic and gave me a hug. And I'm kind of expecting the same thing now. They set a precedent. You guys are now going to take that back. I don't know about you, but that looks a little scary. <laughs> Today we're in Luke 24, 35 through 36 through 53, and that's when Jesus shows up among the disciples, and we're, we're going to gleam out of that. But first I want to tell you about a trip I took, because that guy went through 11 countries in 11 months. He's going to do that. I haven't even gone to 11 McDonald's. I, I think that's very impressive. And I, I just think we need to be praying for him, supporting him, and all that good stuff. But uh, I went on a kind of, it wasn't even a mission trip. It was a conference that I went to Nashville, Tennessee. And I loved it. I mean, it was, Nashville was something I've never seen before. And they had great music and all that. But the conference left me a little... Uh, uninspired, I guess I would say. And, and it wasn't because of the lineup of speakers. I mean, they had, like, leading worship was Chris Tomlin. Come on, he's, he, he, he can get a little better, but he's okay, you know. <laughs> and they had speakers at a Saddle Mountain ministry or whatever it was. and It was just awesome. So you'd think. But I had with me on that trip a guy that worked with me in ministry, and he wasn't doing so well. He, was, he had a real bad heart condition. And what I would do, because of his heart condition, I um, would drive him to the conference center. And 
as soon as it was over, I'd walk back the mile it was to the, to the, from the convention center to the hotel, grab my car, and then go pick Bob up. And it was, you know, we did this for like four or five days. And while I was walking um, back, to, or it was back that one night, I noticed something. And that was a lot of homeless people. And they were just seemed to be everywhere in this downtown area. And I was heading to a double tree, so I was really suffering for Jesus. And, you know, but as I would walk there, I'd see all these homeless people. And then one day, you know, I think it was on the second day, I was walking back and they were stacked like cordwood on the sidewalk. And I didn't get it. I didn't know why they were doing that. I just, you know, I noticed it and kept on walking. But the next morning I knew why. Because that same place where they had like a row of guys and a row of guys and a row of guys, there was a series of vents right there and it was blowing out this hot air. And they found a place to sleep. It broke my heart. And I was watching it as I'd go back and forth. I finally called my wife up and I go, I need, I need to do something here. And she goes, well, what do you think? And I go, well, I was gonna buy you a souvenir. I'd rather take that $1,500. <laughs> I'm pretty generous. <laughs> I'd rather take that $1,500 and buy socks and long underwear for these guys because it's so cold. And we went on an evening meal off campus and I asked the guy I was with, I said, I need to stop at Target. And I went into a Target and bought socks and long underwear and, and after the service was over, it was about midnight, I went ahead and went out into the streets um, to serve the people. Now, I understand, it, it, it wasn't about them. This is what Christ was doing in my life. And it's kind of an awkward situation when you go up to somebody and they're on the street and you go, so how's it going? And they go, well, how do you think it's going? You know, I go, well, that's why I thought, hey, you want some socks? I, I didn't know a good segue for that, you know, because I thought it was kind of like, uh, kind of silly. I go, you want some socks? enthusiastically they said yes every time long underwear they just couldn't wait to it and so it kind of emboldened me and as I would be passing them out each person would ask why are you doing this and I said simply because God told me to well I came to one guy and I'll go ahead and tell you about the other guy but this one guy he, he said, why are you doing this? And I said, because God told me to. And he says, well, tell you what, I, I'm really hungry. Do you got any money? And the, th the truth is, I hardly ever give money. The truth is, I don't have any money. No, <laughs> truth is, I hardly ever give money, but God gave me another message. He said, give him his dignity tonight. And so I had $10 left. That's all I had. And that was going to buy my lunch for the next day. So I reached in my pocket 
And I handed him a 10. I said, just, I want you to do something good with this. And went on my way. I did meet another guy. He was pushing a shopping cart, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs a lot of uh, vulgarities and cuss words. And I, I was kind of timid about going up to him. And I go, hi, you know. And then he goes, he shouted something really bad. And I said, oh, you want some socks? <laughs> You know, and he said, sure, I want socks, you know. And then I said, so what are you doing when you're not out screaming in, at the streets of Nashville? And he says this, and I'm not lying. He goes, I kill people. <laughs> and then he said, in Vietnam. I said, well, first of all, thanks for finishing that sentence. Say, <laughs> 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 so, well, God loves you. He loves you so much. But I say all that because the next day was the day we were leaving. We were leaving around 11 o'clock, and uh, there was like seven, 8,000 people at this retreat. And as I walked down this path that led me out, and there, I mean, I had people pushing against me, and I, you know, just really crowded. This guy says to me, some, some voice, hey! And I go, you know, he goes, hey! And I looked over, it was that one guy that I gave money to. And he was like, he goes, I wanted to thank you for your money, and I wanted to tell you what I did with it. I said, oh, what did you do with it? And he says, I took a friend out for breakfast. I said, well, thank you for doing that. He goes, tell me again why you did this? And he says, and I told him, because God told me to. And he thought for a minute, and he said, did God tell you to give me any more? <laughs> I said, no, but, you know, thanks for asking. You know? <laughs> but I couldn't believe this guy found me. I couldn't believe that he was back. And it must have been a slight way that the apostles or the disciples felt too when Jesus showed up in the middle of a room. He lives, guys. He lives. And so I want to read you this, this passage of Scripture, and we want to just kind of digest this, but God is real. God was back. God is here. And that is amazing to me. But I think even the apostles, the disciples, really got astonished by this. Why? Because they still believed that Jesus was going to die. He wasn't going to die, but he was going to become king, and it was still a social thing that, or a financial thing. And when he died, I think they kind of lost hope. While they were still talking about this, and that's about the crucifixion, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, it doesn't say in this, uh, this gospel, but I think it was in another one. Uh, I can't remember which one, but it says that they were in the upper room, probably the same upper room they had the Last Supper in. Door was closed and all this. Then all of a sudden, they're talking among themselves. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, peace be with you. And you can just see their hearts. <laughs> you know, they're scared. You know, you're, he was the last one they thought they'd see there. I can't believe you're here, Jesus. And then he goes on. 
he says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost will not have flesh and bones as you, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And that, that's the same thing as saying he's here amongst us. And while they still do not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, I don't know. We, we, we'd say that Jesus is my first fruits of death, okay? Does that mean after I go to heaven, I'm going to have that? I'm going to be able to eat? Because I can't imagine heaven if, not, if I'm not eating. So I think it, there's a good possibility. Can I go through walls like he did? I don't know. But I know Jesus did. And he didn't do it like in a ghostly way so they wouldn't get confused that it's just the Spirit of God. This was a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they knew that. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them that this, that this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached to the name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I'm going to send you what my father had promised, but stay in the city until you have clothed with power on high. And we see this uh, uh, prediction or this promise fulfilled in the Acts, the first chapter. And when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father, I am so thankful that uh, you rose again. That's what my hope's on, God, that you conquered death. And today, as we kind of dive into this thing, I just pray that uh, you'll give me the right words to say, that uh, I won't use too many words, but God, I just pray that your every word's from you. And thank you much again, so much, for saving our souls, for coming back to life. We pray this in your very precious name. Amen. Amen. He said these things and went through walls and ate. He did all those things. And he did this to prove that he's back, that he's back. You know, where was he for those three days? We'll get in that later, but he's back. And he's back proving that you can trust him, proving to us that you can trust him, proving to the disciples you can trust him. Jesus was who he said he was. The fact that he was standing right in front of them proved that you can trust him. He said to the disciples many times that he was going to die and in three days would rise up and he did it, and he conquered death. Say amen. Okay, that's what our whole hope here is about, is the fact that he is who he said he was. And there were a lot of times he would stand there, and he would tell the disciples, I won't be here much longer. I'll be taken up. In three days, I'll rise again. And they didn't have a clue who he was. But he did it. And then we can trust him because he's back. Because he's back, you can trust him when he says, you're forgiven. That's it. And a lot of people don't believe that. 
Oh, you know, and I was one of those. You know, I believed that all you guys are forgiven, but I didn't believe I was forgiven. And I took a walk with Bill one day, and we were at work, and he talked to me, and he said, you know what you got, Bob? We were talking about this forgiveness thing, and I I go, what do I got, Bill? And he says, you got a pride issue. I was a little taken back by that. I go, I don't have no pride issue. I'm not proud of myself. No, you have a pride issue that you think you're worse than everybody else. And that's pride. And I thought about it and I go, you know, he's right. He's right. Because we are all forgiven, whether we want to believe it or not. And you can't give what you don't have. You don't receive it. So how can you give forgiveness? How can you have the joy? How can you do anything without, first of all, accepting that we're forgiven? Jesus, you know, he had every right to be really upset during this time. You know, he came, he was, he told them what he was going to do. He told them exactly how it was going to go down, and they didn't believe a word. And you would think if it was me, and I had to go through a crucifixion and a death that was very painful, I would come back and said, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot. You didn't listen one word, did you? Not him. He came and blessed them. He forgave them. Isn't that cool? And that's the way he'll be with you. And our emotions, everything in us will say, I don't feel forgiven, right? I don't feel it. But what do your emotions have to do with the truth? You know, emotions are just responders to what we put into it. And I don't think we really fully grasp that you're forgiven for all your sins, past, present, future, It is good to be a Christian, amen? Because of this, I can have hope. There there is a future that's bright, but it isn't just the ticket in. I have life that I wanted right now, okay? Because he's here and you can trust him, you can trust him with your money, with your finances. And that gets proven over and over to me again to the point where I'm afraid not to give because I want to see what God's going to do. You know, I've had times where I needed, and Kelly, I was working at your place there at Harley, and I couldn't believe I needed $1,200, and I didn't know where I was going to get it. And Kelly watched me sell, and he says, well, I don't know where you're going to get it either, because you don't know how to sell. But I went, <laughs> I went there for the bike rally, and lo and behold, maybe he helped me. I don't remember how it happened, but I sold five bikes. Yay! And I didn't know how much I was getting. Kelly was way too busy to ask. You know, the other guys would say, you know, I got anywhere from $50 a bike up to $100 a bike. I, I really didn't know. But after I'd left, which was early, <laughs> I went home, and about two weeks later, I got this check in the mail. Now, I had a bill I had to pay. It was $1,500. I was $1,200 in some sense, and I didn't know where I was getting that. I went to work at Harley, and I waited for the check, and pretty soon the check came in, and I didn't want to look at it. I go, Sharon goes, how much is it? I don't want to know. You open it. And I go, but whatever it is, we'll give it towards this bill, right? You know, so we agreed on that. And Sharon opened, and she started crying. 
I go, my heart sank. I go, it's that bad, huh? <laughs> but it was exactly what I needed. As a matter of fact, when I put a stamp on the envelope to send that $1,200 in, I had three cents left over. Our God is good. You can trust him. You know, this isn't a sermon about money. This is a sermon about trust. Because I'll tell you the truth on something. You may not have heard this before. God doesn't need your money. He's got a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything, really. So he doesn't need your money. What he's looking for is to test our faith, to, to see that if, he, if you give a little bit, he'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And you could take a thimble and give it to God and say, here you go, and he'll take that thimble and he'll press it down, shake it together, here's your thimble back, or you could take a bucket. You can trust him. You can trust him. And the last thing, you know, that we can trust him on that I want to talk about is you can trust him with your marriage. Okay? You know, I see a lot of marriages in my practice that have blown up. And people have given up hope. But I got to tell you, there's hope in Jesus Christ. It's funny, when you let people start to believe the right things and know what God can do and they stop pointing fingers back and forth like it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. And really what people want me to do as I counsel them is to make that person, that other person they're pointing a finger at to be more like them. Then they'll be happy, right? No. In Jesus Christ, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall. It's okay to look at your stuff, and it'll heal a marriage. I guarantee if there are marriages here today that are hurting, that are falling, that are failing, you'll turn your, your whole life over to Jesus Christ, and you'll be surprised what he'll do with your marriage. Amen? It's good stuff. I want to say something to single people, too. We love you. <laughs> this isn't about being married. You got to be married. But single people have their own challenges. Okay? You got to trust that God will provide. They'll provide exactly what you need. Do you need a companion? He'll give it to you, man. Maybe he wants you to be single for a while. I don't know. But I trust that God does know what's best for you, okay? Jesus came back, and he said, I'm back to give you life. Jesus spoke a lot in this book about Jesus wanting to give us life. That he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. But more than that, even as he was speaking in the book of Luke, he just constantly said, I will be your life source. Listen to these words found in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he gave what, he call, he gave what he, we call here the exchanged life. 
Not only will he give you life, well, you take all your sin, all your burdens, all your stuff, and it's ugly sometimes, and you lay it at the foot of the cross. And in exchange for that, he will give you life. He not only will give you life, he will live his life through you. Okay? And we, but usually what we'll do is we'll, we'll take this ugliness in us and this stuff and we'll lay it at the foot of the cross and then we leave the room and before we go, we pick it back up. It's an exchange. You'll get the grace of God through this. Okay? It does seem like a lousy trade for God. He ain't getting much. But I'm getting everything, man. You know, I remember going, one of my favorite activities is fishing. No surprise to anybody. If you go in my office, it's full of stuff. And You know, I, I, I love to go fishing, even when I was a young kid. I, I loved to go fishing with my grandpa. And I would, uh, I love this part of it too. I love the start of it because we would get on the lake and we would go to the bait house first and you, you know what the bait house means. You, you get snacks. And I don't mean worms because I don't do worms. But you, you, you get a Dr. Pepper and a Snickers bar. And then you got in the boat. You're sitting there drinking your pop. You're eating your Snickers. This is the best time in a kid's life, man. And we're going out fishing, and, you know, we start this trolling thing, and I, I let my line out, and I wanted to do well. I wanted to catch a fish, and I wanted my grandpa to know I, I was getting to be big enough I could handle it. I think this was last year. But, <laughs> but as I would fish, I, I really don't know how I did this. Every time, though. My, lane, my line would get all tangled up. I mean, it's not hard. All you got to do is let it follow the boat, and then all of a sudden, I'm trying to fix it, and my line looks like a cobweb. And I, here's what I would do to my grandpa. I'd turn my back and hide it and, and try to fix it myself. You know, I just made a bigger mess. I finally turn around and go, can you help me, Grandpa? He take my fishing pole, and he slowly let the line out until it was perfect. And then he hand it back to me and says, here you go, Bobby, have fun. And that's all God wants for you. He wants to unravel this mess we made out of our life. He wants to unravel all the problems that you have and say to you, now go have some fun. Isn't that cool? He doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't have anything that he wants out of that. He just wants us, our hearts. And the last thing. Thank you. He says, I'm back. Jesus said, I'm back because I love you. I love you. Listen to the words found in the book of Philippians. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to death, even death on a cross. And he did that willingly because he loves you. There's nothing else, guys. He doesn't need anything else. He's God. He did it to draw us to him. That's why we call it the good news. And this good news is good. And what's good about this is God is restoring our broken lives through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to live without him. I want to stay close to him. Now, as Pastor Steve would say, I want to land this thing, if you allow me. But I remember a time in my life that I had, I was just a little boy, but I had meningitis and encephalitis. I think that's how you say it. And I was sick, y'all. I was so sick. And uh, my mom took me to the hospital, and she just knew something was wrong and didn't suspect what was going on. But she found out the news, and then my dad got there as quick as possible. And I remember them telling me that they went into a room with the doctor, and they said, well, how bad is it? And the doctor said, I'd start making some funeral arrangements. Well, I just remember laying on a gurney. I don't remember any of that stuff. I was out kind of in a hall. I hadn't been checked in a room. And I remember my neck hurting so bad. And I'd beg him for a pillow. You know? I, I, don't, I probably cried. Just give me a pillow. And my dad showed up. And he was a truck driver from Metal Gold and had the uniform, had a little jacket on. And my dad took off his jacket, folded it up, put it under my head. Smelt like my dad, you know what I mean? I can really miss my dad right now, but it smelt like him. I could just, I, since I wasn't alone anymore, I was in the hospital for two weeks. I used his jacket the whole time. It's good. That's all we want. That's all God wants is to draw you closer so you don't want to be without him. Not about us today, you know, as we go through this thing about, you know, hey, we're looking at Jesus and they're just so happy that these disciples, but really it, it's just as important for us today. Okay? Draw close to God. And he will draw close to you. Okay, let's pray. Mighty God and Father, thank you. I'm just so thankful to be your child. And God, I just pray that uh, as the worship team comes up, that you'll bless them in this song. Oh, such a good song. But God, we need you 100% of the time. And I thank you that you raised again, that you conquered death. Hallelujah because that is my hope. We pray this in your very precious name. Amen. Amen.